Should we pray as we just come to look at God's word together? Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we can worship you. Thank you, Lord, that we can be joyful in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that we can be a family as well together. Lord, so often church seems so odd to those that don't know and don't experience, Lord, the joy of being your family. But Father God, here we are, such a mix of people, ages and cultures and different backgrounds. Yet, Father God, um, despite all of our differences, we are united in Christ. And Lord, even in our bad days, Lord, being together is still better actually they're not being together lord it's such a privilege to be the family of god and father god may more people see just how we are i guess and, and want some of it and we pray you'll just bless our time now as we look at your word together in jesus name amen i watched the uh, the film lion recently anyone seen it and the death patel yes a couple, of, a couple of people have seen it it's a good film um on the cinema at the moment you can Still going to catch it, I think, guess for the next few weeks. Um, it's a very, very good film. It shows the, the power of real practical love in action. Um, it's the story of a young Indian boy, Saru, um, who gets lost. Um, he's, only, he's only about five or six, I think, and uh, gets on the train, loses his brother. I won't ruin the film for you. Um, but he gets completely lost and doesn't, doesn't know where he's from, doesn't know how to get home, ends up in Calcutta, um, and just is on the streets fending for himself and it really is a very good film and, uh, and he gets adopted by this Australian couple the mum's played by Nicole Kidman and um, I don't know who the dad's played by I should know shouldn't I um, but I don't um, and they take taken off and he goes to Australia 25 years he lives with this Australian couple and they show him love and affection they bring him up him and another uh, boy they adopt from India and they both are brought up um, in this much better life than they had on the streets and, uh, and so as the story goes on, he remembers that he's been adopted. We knew he was adopted. He remembers that actually he had a mum. He remembers his past, and he goes looking for his, his mother uh, and his brother. But there's a really touching moment in the story when they have a heart-to-heart, Nicole Kidman and Dev Patel are the two main characters, because he's grown up assuming that his adopted mum couldn't have children. He's grown up assuming um, that... That's why she's adopted him and this other boy from India, that they couldn't have their own. He says to her, is it because you couldn't have your own children that you adopted us? And she says to him, we could have our own children, but we wanted you. We wanted to change your lives and have you in our family. And as I watched that particular scene, I found it actually quite humbling. A real expression of care reminded me that compassion, when done sacrificially for another human being, actually is powerful and life-changing. This morning we're starting a six-week series um, all looking at um, pastoral care, looking at how we love one another in the local church. Our series will be followed along in your connect groups if you're a part of them, and it will all be about how we care for one another, how we love one another as we go through uh, as Christians, because sometimes it's hard to love one another. Um, There was a Sunday school teacher who was teaching about the Ten Commandments to a group of five- and six-year-olds And after explaining the commandment that says, honour your father and mother, she asked a a sort of testing question to see how much they knew of the Ten Commandments. And she says, is there another commandment? Do you know, is there a commandment that tells you how to treat your brother or your sister? And one boy shouted out, yes, thou shalt not kill. (laughs) But actually, the reason this series is important is because actually being church is about less than just not killing each other. It's about a deeper relationship, a deeper friendship uh, than perhaps we have. The Bible tells us that we're called a family. We're, we're the family of God. Jesus is the head of the church. God is our father. We are his children and we are a family. And we're meant to be together in a deeper relationship with each other. 
We're meant to be people whose conversation goes beyond the weather and the football and, dare I say it, our children and what they've got up to that week. Think of yourself. Think across the last week. How much time did we spend talking about the football with each other, what the weather was like, and what our children did on Wednesday night at swimming or something? When was the last time we actually said, yeah, actually, this is happening in my life? Oh, wow, let me talk about that with you. It's so easy to have surface conversations. So we, we're looking at, um, this week at the story of the Ten, ten Commandments. I've just done that, haven't I? Um, the story of the Good Samaritan, which I read out with the help of a, a little help from my friends, who I think thought did a spectacular job, actually. Um, I think both Rob and um, Michael has a career there in church ministry if you want to pursue it as a priest and Levite um, but I'll read, them, read these verses out again Luke chapter 10 they appear on the screen hopefully so I'll read them again it says on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life what is written in the law he replied how do you read it he answered love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself you've answered correctly Jesus replied do this and you will live but he wanted to justify himself so he asked who is my neighbor in reply Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers they stripped him of his clothes beat him and went away leaving him half dead a priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man he passed by on the other side so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he took the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave, him to the, gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him. He said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Go, Jesus told him, and do likewise. Our series uh, goes by a rather unusual title, uh, Paraclesis. I'm sure it's a word that you use all the time on a Friday night with, with your friends. Uh, it's a, a Greek word. You know, the New Testament was written originally in Greek, not English. This surprises some Christians, sadly. Um, but the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And the Greek word Paraclesis is where this uh, series um, gets its title. And the, that Greek word is actually two Greek words kind of stuck together with superglue, if you like. Um, two words, para, to mean um, to be with, and cleo, or klesis, to call or to come. So to be with somebody. And, and this word, in all its variations, is used 142 times in the New Testament. The New Testament is concerned with how we're concerned for each other. The New Testament is bothered by how we love one another. Jesus was bothered not just that we have a mission to tell people the gospel about his death and resurrection, but he was as bothered in how we treat each other and how we love one another, including our enemies. And it makes the point in all those 142 verses of what real care, real love, real compassion looks like. And to sum up in one sentence, to really care for someone is to come alongside them and journey with them through their life that is what real compassion is it's not how are you and walking off it's I'm going to walk with you through what you're going through 
The Good Samaritan, um, told by Jesus as this um, expert in the law tries to justify himself, um, is told by Jesus as a, as a challenge, really challenging him. It's not just enough to quote what the law says, but actually do you live it? Do you actually do it on a day-to-day basis? Um, and we can identify with this man's story, this story Jesus tells. This, this man is on a journey. We too are on a journey, aren't we? Physically, we're going somewhere through life. But also, just life is like a journey, isn't it? We're all going from A to B. Um, we won't dwell on B particularly, but um, we're going across life, aren't we? Journeying through our lives. And we can identify with this man as he travels, as he goes along his business. He's ambushed by these robbers, terrible robbers. Look at them, they were rough, kind of ruffians, weren't they? They came and beat poor old David Gray up. Um, but he's ambushed, completely out of nowhere. One minute everything's going well, the next minute he's lying on the ground, half naked, half dead, half um, with all of his stuff stolen from him. And we all know that experience, don't we? Of going through life and life ambushing us, being knocked down, beaten and bruised. Maybe the man lay there, maybe he wondered if anyone cared. Maybe he laid there thinking, is anyone going to stop and help? And you imagine the priest and the Levite going past and him thinking, surely if they don't help me, because they're religious, no one is going to help me. Maybe we can all identify with that. The priest and the Levite come and go, and these religious men who worked in the temple, who you'd expect to help, show indifference and self-centeredness, responses that are all too common among human beings the Samaritan however even though Jews and Samaritans were almost arch enemies if you want a football analogy um, Harry will like this it's a bit like Arsenal and Tottenham isn't it Um, you know arch enemies I mean me and Harry barely say hello anymore Um, because of that I'd be careful what I say Peter Sampson as well he's also an Arsenal supporter so there's a few of us but it's that sort of rivalry that sort of dislike of each other Um, and there's that kind of rivalry they're enemies and so for a Samaritan to stop is really something special. He shows real love, not just checking he's alive, but picking him up, journeying with him to that inn and paying out of his own pocket for that man's care. That's what that word paraclesis is embodying over these next six weeks. When Jesus told us to love one another, this is the kind of love he was talking about, the love the Samaritan showed the man who was beaten up. It's a love that actually reflects the very character of our God. In 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God doesn't comfort us out in the edge somewhere, but within our trouble. We're called to comfort people from within their troubles, not safely on the outside watching as things go wrong. God cares, as Paul writes. And so why does this story matter to us? Why does the Good Samaritan matter to us this morning? Because actually it needs to be heard that every Christian, every person in God's family is to care for each other to the extent of that Good Samaritan caring for that man beaten up we're to love each other with the same passionate sacrificial intensity traditionally in church pastoral care has been seen as the main church leader's job alone or maybe one or two other church leaders and whilst there's a place obviously the new testament also teaches that it's all of our responsibilities to care for one another in 1 corinthians chapter 12 
um, verses 25 to 27, Paul writes these verses, these words about the body of Christ. says, So there should be no division in the body, that's the church, but all its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We're all called to love one another. So how can we care for each other better? How can we care for those who come who are new? How can we care for those who have been with us a long time? How can we care for those people that we're not like or we're not similar to? Well, we have to make sure that we fight against self-focused living. The priest and that Levite, as they passed that man beaten half dead on the floor, thought only of themselves. The Samaritan thought of the man only and not of himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in that, uh, we read this amazing verse, this amazing challenge. Paul writes this, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Don't gloss over that. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Has the world ever seen a human being who doesn't seek their own good in some way, but the good of others? What would our world be like? What would our town be like if we sought not our own good, but only the good of those people we bump into, those people we know? Maybe the world has seen one or two in its history who are close to that verse, but I don't think the world has seen very many. Real care is other person centered. In Galatians, hang on, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul again writes this. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. How amazing is it to note that actually when you love someone and the way Jesus is telling them to love them in this parable, you actually sum up something of the law of God. It sums up the character of God when we act in this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4, that most famous chapter on love says love is patient love is kind love does not envy it does not boast it is not proud etc 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 to love the way God does and the way Jesus is commanding we must develop an awareness of other people's needs over and above our own but that takes hard work and time I'm going to play you a clip um, I don't know if anyone used to watch the series Scrubs when it was on or when it was repeated and repeated a second time on E4 and things like that. And it's a story of a, it's a series, American comedy series. It's a bit wacky in places um, about doctors and uh, one particular hospital. And this particular episode we're going to show you a clip of now is called 15 Seconds. And I'm not suggesting this is true of British medical professionals at all. Uh, but they were saying that over there, the average doctor spends just 15 seconds with a patient when they go in to see him or her in their room. And they were making the point, and they've got this one particular, sorry, one particular patient who's got pesticides in her system, and they see her three or four times, each time 15 seconds only. And each time she gives a clue as to how these pesticides got in and how she's really feeling. But they don't pick up on it until they go out for dinner with their other halves and something clicks. So hopefully we're starting at the right place. You know what? I hope you guys listen better to your patients. And for some reason, right then, we both knew how those pesticides had gotten in our patient's system. Lucky for me, I couldn't pay my rent this month. Say, that's some rock. When's a big day? Oh, me? No, no, never. My fiancé dumped me. I honestly can't remember the last time anyone was this nice to me. Hey, you guys, I just want to say, if I don't see you again, 
Thanks, and take care. She did it to herself. Gotta go. I guess the problem with only listening to a patient for 15 seconds is sometimes you don't hear everything. And when you finally realize what they were trying to say, you might have lost them forever. Miss Tracy. Hey, guys. We need to talk. About what? How have things been going lately? Okay. Why? Uh, actually, it has uh, been a couple of rough months. You can never underestimate the importance of listening. Maybe you picked that up, maybe you didn't. Um, basically, they had spent all day with her, and she'd been dumped by her boyfriend, she couldn't pay her rent, and she was going to take her own life. That's why she was in hospital, but they hadn't actually stopped long enough to work out that's what she was doing to herself. It's only when they stopped and actually took a moment that they could hear what was being said by that woman in the hospital bed. One of the problems with caring with each other is that because we're naturally, because of our sinful natures, we are naturally more inclined to selfishness than we are to selflessness. We need to be more willing as Christians and human beings to move out of our comfort zones to help other people. Once during Queen Victoria's reign, she heard um, that a wife of a common labourer had lost her baby. Having experienced deep sorrow herself, she felt moved to express her sympathy. So she called on the bereaved woman one day and spent some time with her. After she left, the neighbours asked the woman what the Queen had said to her. Nothing, she replied. She simply put her hands on mine and we wept silently together. Real compassion steps out of where you're comfortable to where somebody is broken, sitting with them, crying with them, listening to them. The Samaritan, even though Jew, sorry, hang on. how do we turn the page? <laughs> um, so we have to be out of our comfort zones. We have to be people who are better at giving than getting. Everything in our capitalist society and materialistic society is all about getting more stuff, isn't it? We think if we get one more of those, two more of those, we'll be happier. That's everything programmed into us from day one of birth is about getting more things. The Bible actually flips it on its head and challenges us to be people who give more away, to be givers, not getters. In fact, most of us here on the planet, I hope I've got this statistic correct, but most of you in this room are richer than 90% of the planet. I'm certain that's a correct statistic, that we are richer than 90% of planet Earth. There are about 7 billion at last count, I did count recently, um, 90 percent of the planet are poorer than the majority of us in this room yet isn't it tragic that we spend too much time focusing on the 10 percent who have got more than us than the 90 percent who have got less than us to really care we have to realize that actually we're extremely blessed and that we can give to those who have far less not just our money but our time and our things sharing giving loaning whatever it might be we must focus on what God has done for us so we live lives of gratitude. If you want to learn how to care more for other people, go back to the cross. Go back to the moment when Christ was nailed to the tree, 
for your sin and my sin. Watch him be put in the tomb, blood stained all over him. Watch him be neglected for it by his friend. Watch him be punished for your sin so you and I can go free. Watch him rise again so we can live forever, eternity. And then live in gratitude that you have been given the greatest gift for nothing. And then realize that your greatest gifts are worth nothing. And give them to anybody that asks. The film Schindler's List is another good film that I enjoy watching. I'm not just taking you through a list of things that I enjoy watching on telly. Um, but at the end of Schindler's List, having saved all those Jewish people um, from the clutches of the Nazis, what does he do at the end when they all come to thank him? He looks at his silver pin on his coat and he says, This pin, I could have saved five more Jews with it. Look at my car, that's worth a hundred Jews. Why did I keep it? Why did I keep it? We must live lives where we're so grateful to what God has given for us that we want to comfort and care for those who have nothing. We must be alert for opportunities. How many times we walk past people who say, yeah, I'm all right. And just that yeah could mean a lot more because we're British than we realize. And how often do we walk past opportunities? We must learn to be good listeners. There's a story of Franklin Roosevelt, the American president, who have to, had to endure long lines of re receiving lines at the White House. He would have to stand and welcome guest after guest after guest at important functions. And he used to get so tired that no one really paid attention to when he spoke in these welcoming lines. And so one day he decided to try out an experiment. As he welcomed each person individually down the line, he murmured to them all individually, this morning I murdered my grandmother. He was greeted with responses like, marvellous, keep up the good work, we're proud of you, God bless you sir. And it was not until the end of the line when the, uh, the ambassador for Bolivia heard his words and nonplussed, leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> but how often do people speak and we just don't hear? Because we're thinking about us and our stuff. Do you want to know how to handle people really well? There is a threefold formula. There we are. You can quote this if you want. Number one, listen to the other person's story. Number one, listen to the other person's story. Number two, listen to the other person's full story. Number three, listen to the other person's full story first. Do you know how many people I speak to, and I'm conscious halfway through a conversation but it's not really a conversation because when they pause and I begin to speak they're going yep, 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 mm, 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 and then I stop and they carry on where they left off is that really a conversation? not really conversation is when we listen and we respond listen to their story listen to their full story listen to their full story first be positive the Brits are renowned for being a bit negative aren't we? You know, how, how, how half full is the glass? Well, it's half empty, actually. It's not a very nice glass, and I'd have preferred a different sort of water. Um, but actually, we need to be positive. Things are good. We need to encourage people and make them feel good. And finally, we need to do random acts or intentional acts of kindness. Over the next six weeks, we're going to explore the challenges of truly loving one another. Remembering that church ought to be the place of care. Jesus says to people that people will know that we're his disciples if we love one another so as we finish let me ask us the question who in the story are you who in the story am I this morning are we the priest and the Levite who were so frightened of their own shadow so self-centered that they remained detached and indifferent to this man's real problem 
Do we make excuses? Do we hide behind our own agendas and busyness of rituals? Do we see problems and use that very modern, terrible excuse, I'm working on me at the moment? Or are we like the Samaritan who ignored fear and danger and even social convention and stepped across and helped a man in that dangerous place? He stepped across out of his comfort zone, reached him, came alongside, journeyed with him until he was fixed. Often we want to make a difference out there, don't we? That's called mission, and that's vital. But we should be making a difference in here as well, because that's called family, and that matters a lot. At the end, Jesus asks, who was more of a neighbor? The man says, the one that had mercy. And Jesus says to him and to us, go and do likewise. So this week, be on the lookout for those in need. Listen to what people are not saying. Hear the unspoken cries for help. Live a life of love. Make this corner of God's kingdom radiant with the love of God for each other so that people will want to be with us. Jesus was the ultimate example of compassion as he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, as he stuck up for the outcasts, as he healed the sick, as he stood up for the marginalised. That is our gold standard of compassion. That is our calling. That is our challenge. Should we pray? Father God, just lifting up these thoughts to you this morning. Lord, we don't want to be those, like those two men in that little clip. Father, who cross paths with people who are genuinely struggling. We want to be people that spend ourselves on behalf of the poor, as it says in Isaiah. Lord, who give to those who ask. Lord, who go the extra mile. Who stand with the oppressed. Lord, who stand with the marginalised. Who befriend the lonely. We want to be people, Lord, who don't serve you out of uh, some sort of patronising spirit, but Lord, a genuine love for those who are struggling. Father God, remind us as a church that we're not an organisation. We're a family. We're a family that you've set the challenge of changing the world out there. But Lord, you call us to change the world in here as well. May we love one another. Father God, just occasionally banish from our minds the football or the weather or what our kids did last week. And may we actually talk a little bit deeper. May we be brave enough to share with each other what's really going on and remove the church mask. But Lord, may we be brave enough to hear what people are saying and love them with grace and compassion. Father, we thank you for the ultimate example in Jesus. May we be Jesus to people this week. And I lift this all to you now in his name. Amen.